Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so today what we're going to talk about, I want to talk about your heritage, all of our heritage and, and your inheritance. And, um, you know, the Bible is meditative literature, right? It's not a story that we read through really quick. I mean, it, it can't, we can do that, but it's meant like say la. It's meant to be sat on. It's meant to be meditated on. It's, these stories are meant to be looked into. It's, we always say here, let's watch this like a movie, right? And what I mean by that is like, we can immerse ourselves into the living word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we can actually see all of the messages or much of the messages, because we'll never really tap into the whole thing, um, that the Lord has for us in the picture of what's going on. And, you know, I was one, I was like, yeah, let's do lot. You know, that's fun. You know, there's some Nephilim stuff, some angels and all this crazy wild stuff that's happening there. But I really could not get past Genesis 18. I just couldn't get past it. We ended on it last week in this legacy series that we're doing, but I want to stay with it again this week because I want to go and I want to look at Abraham, right? Because now his name's been changed from Abram to Abraham and Sarah from Sariah to Sarah. Um, the heth, the breath of God, the life of God, he's, he's inserted himself into their names so that we see them um, proverbially, like we can actually see them as people who are living not only just in their own strength, but by the strength of His Spirit. It's literally a picture for us to look at and watch. And this man who's known as the father of the faith, Abraham, we see his life and we see these series of meetings that he's being introduced to God. This Mesopotamian man, this basically pagan mindset, is being reversed and he's catching up to understand who this God is that he's just chosen to follow like it says in Hebrews, like Hebrews, like that's what faith, you know, faith comes and it says it's time, Abram, for you to leave. He, he was called by God to go into a land that he did not know where he was going. And that was the, the essence of him walking in faith. And so where we stopped last week and where I want to start, I, this will be a good standalone anyways, is when the Lord has been coming to Abraham, he's been telling him and for, you know, prophesying to him that his, his lineage, his this, this inheritance of the kingdom is coming to him and like by through his seed, all of the nations, all of the families of the entire earth were going to be blessed through this one person for following him. Abraham has his doubts. He has his mistakes. But now where we left off is Jesus, because we know Jesus is the word of God, the embodiment of Yahweh, the Yahweh with feet and hands on the earth. Colossians 2 is literally walking up with two angelic beings past Abraham's tent when Abraham is sitting in his tent in the, in, the, in the heat of the day. And so we're seeing this interaction, but I'm saying, yo, let's watch this like a movie and try to extract everything that the Lord is speaking to us here and now, because I believe he's speaking to us here and now through this story. I know that he is for, as a household of faith, I know that he is on this very date or whatever date you listen to, it's the 18th of February, you know, but, but there's something so profound here. And it's even like when we're reading this story, people say this is Moses right now. I'm not really sure. People don't really know who, who wrote these first five. It's attributed to Moses, but, you know, you know, the scribes that wrote it down and all this, whatever, you know. The reality is Abraham is spoken of, even in Hebrews 11, as one of these who's this great cloud of witnesses that's gone before us. 
who's, who's strived after and moved after God in faith after these promises, but whose story will not be complete without us. And it's like we realize this, this heritage and this inheritance of the Bible. It's like, yo, my family is not merely who I thought it was. Abraham's literally my grandfather. And it's true. I mean, it's a great, 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 but like he's the father of this faith, as they say, and he's, because he stepped into the lineage, lineage of our true father, that's the real catch that we realize in, in the New Testament. But if we're reading this story, we're reading it as if Abraham is sitting here in my seat, and I'm, on, I'm with you guys, and we're asking our old grandfather, tell us about the story of our family. Like, grandfather, like, so what, what's it like? What was our story? What was it like meeting him? What, what, did he look, what did Melchizedek look like? Do you think that was actually him? You know? When it says that the word of the Lord came, we didn't know what that was until John 1. That's the first time it was ever written that the word of the Lord came to somebody in Genesis 15. And we know John is saying, hey, that was Jesus. He was the word who was with God and was God. So when the word started coming to you, it's this... this you know, Jim Kavitsa, you know, Jesus starts coming to you and showing up at your house and walking you outside of your tent. It's like, what did it look like? What did he say? What did he act like? You know, and we can see that through this story, all those questions are meant to be seen through this Bible. The fruit of Jesus' spirit in the New Testament. So anyways, I want to watch it like this. I even had a pastor probably 20 years ago, this pastor named Rick, at a church I was at for a few years, um, uh, Joiner, and he, he did the... He did the, um, the genealogies, the ages of like Adam, because, you know, it says that Enoch was the, the seventh from Adam in Genesis 5. And we've, we've talked about how the whole thing starts with Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not. He walked right into New Covenant Christianity. In the book of Jude, it says he prophesied the return of the Lord. So he saw the first coming and the second coming. You know, Enoch stepped into something. But Rick... I remember Pastor Joyner used to say, like, he believed that by doing the math, because they lived so long, that Enoch was actually alive when Adam was still alive. Does that make sense? And, and he posed this question of, like, what if Enoch was asking his grandfather, great-great-grandfather, like, so, so you used to walk with him, right? You were in the garden? Like, what was that like? There was something that tickled Enoch's spirit or his soul that was like, so, so what was that about? So the animals were, they were cool with you? Like you could, you named them? Like, you know what I'm saying? All the stuff, if it was your real grandfather and you had these stories, you'd be like, as a kid, you'd be like, well, what's the deal there? The Bible's like this, by the way. But an example of Enoch, like something, and I just picture Enoch as a teenager or a kid, you know, walking around in the mountains or wherever he was and just speaking like something in him yearned to know God like his grandfather did. I heard you used to talk to my grandfather. Just saying, if you want to talk to me, I'll listen. Hey, if you don't want me to eat from, a, from any weird trees, you just let me know. I'll obey you. I'll actually obey you. I'm just saying. You know, what questions were in his mind from the stories that he stepped into this relational connection that God met him? You know? And his true father sitting in heaven saying, smiling at him. He wants to talk to me. Yeah. Let me bring him in. This is us sitting at the feet of Abram in the story. Abraham. Yo, what was it like? 
how did you feel? This whole thing's written for us to see this because it's for us. It's our family inheritance. You dig? So Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham once more, right? He's been making these promises constantly about his lineage, about his family. Abraham's finally got off the courage to say like, dude, it's going to have to be a servant. I don't even have any kids and I'm super old. No, it'll come for your house from you. We know Abraham created an Ishmael, took, it, took, his, took an Egyptian gal. We call that creating an Ishmael, trying to work out the promises of God in your own strength. Caused a lot of trouble for all time. Last week's message has all that, you know. God comes like, no, it's, that's not the way it's going to work. It's still going to come from you. Doesn't completely rebuke him. He's going to have to deal with the fruit of his, what he's released. But he comes back again. This is, this is 12 years old, Ishmael. So this is 12 years later. We just think this thing just rattles off. But there's something written about he, um, Abraham in uh, Hebrews 6 that through faith and through patience, he inherited these promises that we're called to inherit. He exercised this patience. In other words, he didn't waver through unbelief and just change his mind when things didn't happen exactly the way he thought they were happening right when they thought. It's a war of faith, and we are all in it unless we check out and go the way of Egypt and Babylon. So anyhow, the Lord shows up to him after Ishmael's been born for 12 years. And of course, he shows up to him to where Abraham's camped again by these mystical, he's always at some massive oak trees or terebinth trees of Mamre, the, the trees of strength, which are symbolic. It's not by your strength that you're going to do this. It's by mine. You're Abraham now. You're not Abram. And it says he looked, lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw three men standing by him. And he ran to the tent door to meet them. And he bowed them, himself to him and says, my Lord, if I found favor in your sight, please don't pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. See, he's had the word of the Lord come to him before. Remember? In chapter 15, he says, Abram, you're full of fear. You're thinking through your carnal mind. Come out of your tent, the tent of your limitations, of impossibilities, of fears and all this stuff, and look at the stars. I'm going to do something much greater. I'm opening your brain. So now he sees him walking up with two other guys with him, and he runs up like, please don't pass me. Let a little bit of water um, be brought so we can wash your feet and that you guys can rest under one of these trees. Like sit with me, you know. Your true lineage, your true family tree, not the tree of knowledge. Remember, it's a war of these two trees. Your, two, your true tree, the tree of life himself, is walking up. And it's like, hey, please, I'll, let me go grab a little water, which I love what happens right here. Because it's, it's almost like Abraham's, he's like playing it cool. I'm going to get a little water for you guys. And it says, I'll bring a morsel of bread that you, you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you can pass by. To which the, the three guys, one of them is the Lord, one of them is Yahweh, the embodiment, says, rest right here and we'll, okay, we'll, we'll wait for you. Which is so wonderful. It's like, no, delayed obedience is disobedience. Put your, put your money right here. Like, da, 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 you know what I mean? Like, he's like, can you, can you guys just please and stay with me where you're at? I'd, I'd love for you guys to, to be around. I'll bring you some water for your feet and, and I'll, bring you a little bit, I'll bring you a little bit of bread. And they say, all right, no, we'll wait on you. So Yahweh himself embodied... Jesus, the Logos, and two angels are sit, looking like people are sitting under a tree waiting for him to go make them a little snack. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. 
And Father Abraham's telling us this. He was walking by, and I was just like, please. But the way it's written is so funny. I'll give you some water, and I'll give you a morsel of bread. It says he runs in, he basically starts yelling to Sarah, quickly, make, make three measures of, of, of fine meal. Make some cakes out of it. And, and then he ran to the guys that were keeping his herds. Quick, make a calf. Do it, hasten, get ready, you know, give me some steaks. Boom, then he took butter and he took milk and the calf he prepared and he set it by, the, and then he comes and he sets it before the three of them and he stands under the tree as they eat. So it's like, hey, I'll, let me go grab you, see if there's a little bread and just kind of plays it cool and runs back like, Sarah, quick, three loaves of bread, make them a little quick. Runs out there, get these steaks. Ta-da. Like, all right, yeah, I got, hey, we had a little something. I had a little something in the fridge. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> a morsel of bread, a little water. Like, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, some butter, you know, some, some, some yogurt. Oh, you know, he was cooking up some steaks. So I got a steak for each of you, cake for each. You know what I mean? He's like setting them down. He like, he's, um, but also this is one thing that I think people miss ah, uh, when, I'm, when I'm reading this story is he served the Lord. Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like when Jesus multiplied food and he'd do these miraculous things, but then people started testing him, say, hey, make some food for us. Send us manna, do all these things. Like serve us, prove yourself to us. They want, people want their needs to be met by him instead of believing in who he is and serving him, believing that he takes care of all things. And Abram's here and is like his heart to actually serve and bless the Lord in what he is doing. He's not focused on himself inside of his tent. He learned that lesson. Now he's outside of his tent under the trees and he's serving the Lord. And because of it, he's being blessed by this fellowship, this communion, this koinonia that he's receiving. It's really interesting. It says, then they said to him, where's Sarah? Where's your wife? So he said, oh, she's, she's here in the tent, which I think that's interesting. It says, they said that. So that's the angels talking. Abram, where's Sarah? At? You know, she's, she's da, da, da. But then it says, then he said. So then the boss man, then Yahweh. He says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son. Yeah, dude. That's that promise he's been saying. And now he puts a time on it. Yes. He's been saying it to him. He's been giving it to Abram for, for years upon years upon years. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to look. This is what I like. Don't, don't do it in your own strength. Abram's going back and forth to Egypt, getting in trouble. Going back and forth to the Egyptian maid servant, getting in trouble. He's doing all these things, but he's still choosing to believe God. And it's accounted to him as righteousness. And now he's giving him a time frame. Like, hey, you got, a, you got this, this uh, nine months to a year period. Like, it's happening. Isaac's his name, by the way, you know, so it's like, whoa, of course, Sarah was listening and um, they were really old and she laughed because she, she wasn't even having a menstruation or anything at this point. You know what I'm saying? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm old. And you got, I mean, I did this a little bit last week, but you know, I love that like Jesus, the embodiment of Yahweh, Yahweh, God embodied, looks at him. And he doesn't say, say, Sarah, hey, why are you laughing at in there? Like he doesn't yell into the tent. He looks at Abram, Abraham, right? And he's like, hey, what's Sarah laughing about? You know what I mean? Can you imagine him fronting you like that? Like, does she think, oh, she thinks that's funny? She thinks that's funny what I just told you that you're going to have? <laughs> you know, I think it's cool. Why'd she laugh? He said, is, he asked him, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Don't you like that? See, we got, 
We have to unplug our minds from the, the mean college football coach or stepdad or whoever and understand that the fruit of the Lord, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His, and his fruit is love and joy and His peace, it's patience, it's kindness. So is that a rebuke towards Abram? Or is he zoning in on him, looking at his, him in the eyes, who's meant to be the father of the faith that's walking this thing out, and it's like, hey, she thinks that's funny, huh? Why do you think that is? Is anything too hard for the Lord? He's asking him that straight out. You know, Do you think God ever asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to? No. I don't think so, man. Adam, where are you at? Like, you know where he's at, you know. But God is in this walk. The walk of the Lord Jesus is that he comes, and this is from our grandfather Abraham saying, like, he's like, listen, y'all, he's, he's going to come into your life and he's going to tell you stuff that, that seems impossible. It might even seem ridiculous. But I'm telling you kids, believe what he says. Just believe him, even if it's ridiculous. Even if you have a hard time believing him, just say, okay, I'll, I'll trust you. you know? That's what grandfather's telling us. Because here he is looking at him. It, it reminds me of like the disciples you know, in like, um, John 11. I'm going to wake Lazarus, Lazarus up because he's asleep. The disciples are like, hey, Pharisees are trying to kill you. If he's asleep, he'll wake back up. And Jesus finally says, hey, he's dead. Dang, he's not asleep. I'm telling y'all, I'm just telling you, it's sleep to me. I'm going to wake him up. Right? He shows up. Martha starts arguing with him. Lord, if you would have been here. What does he tell Martha in John 11? He's like, your brother's going to rise. Point blank. Bang. To which she just gets hyper-religious. Oh, yes, I've memorized all that too. Yes, he'll rise at the last day at the judgment. Do you know he'll rise? And Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. I tell you, if you have faith, all things are possible. Like, this is being reversed. He's like, he's speaking. Jesus shows up and he speaks stuff to people and he, and he, and he tells them something that is, is like, it seems preposterous. And he's doing that with Abraham. But then he asks them the question, and he asks Martha the question. She's, he, I'm the resurrection. Do you believe this? He looks her right in the face. Do you believe this? It's like, hey, is this life real to you? Or is this American Christianity? And it's not even American. It's the whole world. It, you know, or do you just religiousize this? Is this a way to make your life more comfortable and to keep your kids off of drugs and in a program? And this is the ritual. You know what I mean? You love to go to buffet on Sunday. Is that what this is? Or do you believe what I'm saying? And I'm trying to fill the earth with faith, with the kingdom. And that's, that's a whoosh. I can't imagine those laser beams. I've felt them before. But it's just like, I can't imagine like him looking at him and like, is anything too hard for Yahweh? That look and that, that quote to him. But it's the same to Martha. Did I not tell you? Like, look at me. Do you, and he asked her, do you believe this? And she says, yes. But then he goes to Lazarus' tomb and she still tries to block him from opening the door. Remember that? <laughs> And he's like, I thought we had covered this. And she gets out of the way and he calls Lazarus out. But it's like, you see Jesus showing up all the time and telling people stuff. And instantly, Gideon, you're a mighty man. You're going to deliver the Israelites. Uh, no, you're, you're mistaken. Your information is bad. I'm the least in my family's house. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's always that. And it's always an opportunity to believe what he believes to be true or what you believe to be true. And the powerful thing about that is the one you believe is what you will have. There was places where Jesus would go and marvel at people's unbelief because he could only do certain things there. And I remember thinking like, do we really have the power to limit God with our belief? We do. Because it's written in the Bible. 
Jesus would go, he, he could only heal people there. He couldn't do any mighty things. So it's like, well, dang, that's a dang mighty thing as it is, is what I'm thinking. But he could only heal a few of the sick people because of so, any marvel because of their unbelief. And I'm thinking, what? So are, are the imagers, ones created in the image of God, have the authority to release on the earth his will or our own will? And the forecast of the tree of knowledge, which is fear, and it is pain, and it is anxiety, and it is us catastrophizing all the seven different ways that something bad could happen and trying to plan our lives to counter that. Or we could choose God's way, and even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death, we're, we're going to choose not to be afraid. Even if I feel like throwing up because I am afraid, I'm still going to follow him and choose not to be afraid because he is my leader. And Abraham is learning this walk. Abraham, our grandfather, would say, guys, if he's sitting here at the, at the barbecue, family barbecue, and he's telling you, guys, listen, every time I got afraid, he says the most preposterous things, and he's bizarre, but he is incredibly kind. And every time I got afraid, and I tried to go back to Egypt because of famine, or I tried to go into this girl, or I tried to do these things to tell people my wife was my sister, I, I came so close to losing my family. But then when I actually trusted and listened to him, and it was like, that's not going to be good for me or my family, but I would just choose it, then my family was blessed and I stepped into my true inheritance. I mean, wait till we get to the Isaac story. Wait till we get to Lot's kids. I mean, it's just insane how this is telegraphed to all of us, but I can't do that today. It, but, it, but it's like, here, here he is having these experiences and she's in there laughing and he's asking, he's asking him straight up, is anything too hard for the Lord? Which is like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> you know, like, dang. But then Sarah's like denying it, saying, hey, I didn't laugh. I wasn't laughing about that. I was laughing at something else. It's like, no. Yeah. Genesis, you know, eighteen fifteen. Jesus says, oh, no, you did laugh. God's like, oh, you were laughing, Sarah. You were laughing. I know you were. But it says, then the, the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. See if this will give me three minutes. Hmm. We have this beautiful passage of Scripture with Father, Father Abraham talking about this was my interaction with him when he promised me about this son. And this is how he came and told it to me. Now we know a couple chapters later, Isaac's going to be born. It worked and it was real. This kicks into a, lot, into a, a Sodom story, which we, we can't do today, time and all that, but the the point of what's going on, what Abraham's life is showing us, is that God has this track record of telling people stuff that he knows will be really hard for them to believe. But he does it in order to transform their way of thinking and remove the limitations out of their mind. It's the same as pulling Abraham out of his tent. Abraham's full of doubts. He's like, here, come outside of your tent and look at the stars. Come outside of your own world. Some people are so ingrained in anxiety and fear, in a carnal way of thinking, it's not even, it's not, it's like, it's like not even being a Christian. I hate to say it, you know what I mean? It's just like, we can be so ingrained in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and planning everything out, which is really catastrophizing and having to do this, 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 that our heart departs from the Lord. We're not really trusting in him. And so we don't see when the good comes, Jeremiah 17 says. Whereas when our trust is in the Lord, we're like a tree that's planted by the water. And even when there's a famine, it won't affect us. The whole world is meant to be, this contrast is meant to be exposed and revealed by the family of faith. People that live according to this way. 
And not only that, just like Abraham, it's our legacy. This is what we're raising our families with. Because, I mean, are we, are we going to raise our families with like, this is what it means to follow the Lord. This is what it means to know Jesus. Oh, no, he's kind. He's good. You trust him, guys. Are we going to tell them, play it safe with your life? American dream. Go the, way that, go the way of success, which I love success, but success comes from the kingdom. You have to do it. Cover your bases. You know what I mean? Play it safe. Worry about all the fears. Are we going to say, hey, just know him above all things. The desires that he puts in your heart will cause you to come alive. Pursue him. Listen to his voice no matter what he says, guys. You want to do it. This is what has happened in my life. Because we can groom them. We can teach them the, the Westminster Confession. We can do that. I, I can, the Apostles' Creed, we can, I can have my kids memorize and recite that. You know what I mean? Shoot, we could do the catechism if you really wanted to do all that. We could, we could, we could really get them all in, in all that knowledge. And it's like, hey, and by the way, play it safe, American Christianity, and, 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 and do, do things this way and be afraid and always lean on your own strength and, and all these things because that's what, that's what their relationship to God is going to be imaged. That's what their heritage is going to be. It's not about even what we tell them. It's about what we live. It's like, is this thing going to be real or not for them? They are sponges. And we are, we are, this is our legacy. This is our inheritance. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is, Abraham's telling us, this is what, basically what Jesus told me, what God told me. I'm going to tell you some things that are so great that they seem impossible, maybe even ridiculous. But I want you to believe what I say, even when the evidence doesn't line up. And when I, mean, when I say believe them, I, I mean like I want you to imagine, I want you to be able to picture and catch the vision of what I say coming to pass and allow your emotions, your faith to connect to that and cause it to manifest in the earth, your faith. Yeah, that's what Jesus said in, in, in Mark 11. He who prays when he asks for something, believes that he has what he asked for, it will be his. And I'm pushing away from the table like, you got to say that about five more times. I don't understand what you just said. You mean, believe what I've asked you for, and then, I, then it will be mine. Then it is mine. But I, I wouldn't ask you for it if I believed I already had it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, that's, yeah, it's, it's like, what is this? Some kind of, Jesus, you do some kind of new age or something you're getting me into? What is this stuff? It seems a little bit, you know, supernatural, like walking in the spirit. It's like, no, I've created you with this power, this measure of faith that all mankind has. That's what the Bible says. And when you actually connect to my true will, and you ask in prayer and you connect to me for it, and you believe that you have what you've asked for, what does that mean? You have to see what I see and allow your heart, your essence, your emotions, your feelings to feel and connect to that thing, and it will be you will manifest it in this domain. And that prayer is not just a prayer for good luck before the games that we used to pray. It is Father who art in heaven. My family is truly outside of time and space. It is God. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It's a partnership. It's a connection of faith, of walking in the Spirit. Give us this day our daily bread. That was the manna of Exodus 16 that rained down from heaven. In other words, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth. In other words, this daily bread, this sustenance comes from, just like Jesus said, I got food you don't know about to us, guys. It's like my food is to do the will of my Father. When I, when I seek first the kingdom, all the food, everything that I need is added to me. But this is a mindset shift. 
in the West, in, in, in not even in the West. It's like this in Africa. I've been there. It's like this in Europe. I've been there. It's like this in Russia. I've been there. Religion's everywhere. It's the tree of knowledge. It's the way it is. But true spiritual, true Christianity is like taking God at his word, like Martha sitting there and he's saying, hey, do you believe what I'm saying? Yes, at the last day. No, 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 no. I'm telling you I'm the resurrection and I'm here. You believe that? Yeah. We'll see if you do. But you're going to when Lazarus pops out. You know what I mean? Yeah, buddy. Romans 4.19 talking about Abraham. Because we have liberty to, to look at him this way. It says that Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. <laughs> or when he considered... Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he, he grew strong in the faith. He grew strong in the faith. It means he wasn't, he trained it, he lived this, he practiced this, and it became faith. I just had a little tiny bit, almost like a mustard seed, I don't know, maybe a mustard seed, but like, it like he stayed with it in this patience. And it says in verse 20, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what is promised. That is why he was counted, it was counted to him as righteousness. But I love that. Like, even when he considered his own body. In other words, Abraham didn't live in denial. That's what it's saying. He didn't live in denial. The facts are, I physically can't do that. Or the facts of my life are, I'm not living in that blessing of the kingdom. I'm not living in that wholeness of health. Or I'm not living in that breakthrough that I know God's will is for me to have. It's not, you know, some people are in denial, like, you know, you, you know somebody in denial has the flu and they come to church anyways and they're sitting there sweating. Oh, don't speak that on me, brother. I, I, I don't, ref and it's like, dude, you need to go home. You're in denial. You're sick and you're around people, dude. That's gross. Coughing up there on the first row. Like, dude, come on, man. You know what I mean? But we know what hyper-religious denial is, but this is saying there's, there's faith that can see the facts even though, when it's not going the way you want it to go, but, but I still refuse to accept it. It's a war of faith, and it's the war of reality, which we are called to manifest in the world. He didn't weaken in faith when he even considered reality. He wasn't in denial, but he didn't accept things as they were, that they could limit God. So he chose to continually believe God, and he grew. He was strengthened in faith. Yeah. Yeah. Our grandfather's recounting this story of Isaac and him being born. And we're like, hey, what was it like to live with him? What was it like to walk with him? You know, what, how was he like? And he's like, well, he seemed really crazy, to be honest. But everything, everything he said uh, happened. And it wasn't that it was even hard for him. He was raising me in faith. He was growing me. I think so many times we can waste our trials because we don't realize they are opportunities for faith. And so we try to have faith. We, we were in a trial. And we're like, it didn't work. I'm out. Back to Egypt. Back to, back to the, the way of thinking of like, I've just got to troubleshoot. And, and then we're carnal and we're not walking in the spirit. And we're not walking in faith. And we're not imaging God in the world to our coworkers, to our families, to our friends, to our children, which is the most tragedy. It's just like, and we're raising them under an energy that is not their inheritance. And they can memorize the Westminster Confession, but it's like, but that doesn't mean anything. Because God's still a bipolar monster. Because our life shows that he is. In fear. Or, it's like, it's not true. He's the tree of life. He's good. 
Abraham saying, no, he was always good. Even when I made a super hot mess of things, he took care of me and brought me back because he was about redeeming the entire world. He was wonderful. Hmm. Hebrews 6 says to imitate those through faith and patience inherited the promises. It goes on and says, after that, after Abraham uh, had patiently waited, he endured and obtained those promises. In other words, he didn't accept even the diagnosis of whatever was going on in his life as being final because he chose to believe God. And that patience, that ride of patience, faith and patience, it actually goes together. He, he refused to not believe it long enough to where it finally broke on his, on his behalf. You know. And so I'm looking at this old man, my grandfather, and I hear his voice saying like, dude, trust him. Follow him. That's what he, he's sitting there on a rock telling us this story. And he's like, dude, and don't look back. Don't, don't even turn around. Don't second guess it. You're going to want to, man. You're going to want to at times. The evidence will appear as if, but just trust him. He's good. He's all you need. I think he would say, every time I got into fear, I steered my life in a way that seemed safe, and it ended up being the wrong way. It almost cost me dearly, but God was so kind and gracious, and He was always there for me. He's so good. I promise. He's the good shepherd. Go all in with Him. And I think that's my point for the day. This is, and just, dude, I tried to get at past 18 this week. I, I probably read in Genesis 18 like a movie and sat there for, I don't know, three, four, five hours of just like, I just get in them stories, man. And then next thing you know, I'm laughing at him, rushing around with his bread. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm feeling his emotions. I'm saying like, oh my gosh, he's meeting God. He doesn't trust him yet. He's building this track record. It's just this beautiful thing. But it's like the father, the heart of our father has put all this in here and our big brothers have gone before us and be like, hey, you're not alone, man. You're not alone in thinking this way. Like you've, somebody has to pioneer. Somebody has to move forward in all this. It needs to be you guys. Somebody has to be a light that arises and shine. This is about culture. That's the first thing he did with Abraham. Come out of your father's house and out of your inheritance. Well, I kind of got a good setup going. It's like, I don't care about that setup. I want you to follow me. And he trusted him and he did it. He's changing the culture. I don't care about the culture. I definitely don't like churchianity. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, I don't want to win. I don't want to win in, in, in the, the, tech, the Tyler, Texas culture. Like, I've won it. I've climbed in all the status and all the... And now I've, it's like, we're here for something completely different. Whether you're here or you're listening all over the wherever you are on this podcast or whatever, it's just like, you're here to establish and to live the actual culture of heaven. Like, these people, it says in Hebrews 11... They were searching for a city which has foundations, whose, whose builder and maker is God. What is that? It has foundations, but the builder and maker is God. It has foundations. The foundation is the rock. It's, it is Jesus. It's like he's the culture. And it's like we're not even looking into this, the plastic matrix and trying to win and feel safe and feel accepted and feel successful and all these things. It's like we're so looking past this world into that next one, and we're actually looking for that which is the culture of heaven being established in this earth. The fruit of His Spirit being what governs our entire life and our family. You know what I'm saying? Like, like our houses being a stronghold of, of the kingdom. It feels different inside of our house or apartment or wherever you live. You know what I'm saying? It feels different because why? The culture of heaven, the security of the Father's house, that, that hospitality. 
the hospitality of heaven, which is like, oh my gosh, my family's here. You know what I mean? Even a stranger, like, oh, my long lost brother. You know, that can be a little bit awkward, but like when the love of heaven is like very welcoming, it is like a family. It's like, you know, this isn't a stranger or some Bible character. This is your grandfather talking to you, your big brother, whatever you want to call it. This is our people. And we're called to live with this in such a way that it's no longer pointing people out. You're going to go to, to hell if you don't join my club because God is love. And he'll, but he'll throw you in that hell pot real fast. If you don't, if you, you like homosexuals too, oh yeah, you going to hell if you don't join my club and agree with me. And by the way, you need to vote for this guy. And like, look, man, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like hey, listen, I don't, I, don't ever, I don't ever see that. And we could do that battle on another day, you know, Gehenna and all that. But it's like, I'm not even thinking that way. But what, what I am thinking is like the culture of our true family and our true inheritance, when it's manifested within us, people are like, that smells like bread that I used to eat. A long time ago, but I don't, I don't know when that was. That music, it sounds like, sounds just like Hillsong. No, it doesn't. But, it's, it, but it, you know, it's a sound. <laughs> I don't try to be a hater, but, um, but it's like, it's like, I, I'm using analogies. I'm not trying to say literal music and bread, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, like that smells like my grandmother's house on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like it, it was, but I don't have a grandmother. I never had Thanksgiving growing It's like, I, exactly. It's like the culture is called to manifest in a way that calls people home. It's the prodigal's house. You know what I mean? You know, the only one mad about it is the older brother. And he's outside anyways. He's actually not in the father's house. So it's just like this mentality of like having our minds renewed, it comes through choosing to live by faith and not wasting trial, not wasting pressure. These guys didn't love punishment. Count it all joy when you counter trials. It's like, that wasn't some mean, James isn't some mean, harsh guy. He's literally saying, hey, when you feel the pressures of this life, when you, when you feel those trials, count it all joy because it's producing something. Yes. The patience of God, the long suffering, the fruit of his spirit, you're, 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 you're growing in the opportunity to put your roots down into something very real and eternal and double down. Don't jump ship because your needs aren't met. Double down and say, no, I know my God's good. And I know that his plans and purposes are for the kingdom. And I'm not selling out to get my needs met. I'm, I'm rooted in him meeting my needs. I'm seeking his kingdom first. I'm going to have a heart of service and I'm going to pursue that reality. And guess what? That doubling down, that storm will, will produce heaven in your life. And that's what they're saying. That count it all joy. Romans 12, 2, is, I, I love it. I'll close with that. How about that? I, I, and I do like the, um, the King James says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we've heard that so many times, it almost just seems like, or just, you know, but it's, it's so profound. It's like, don't be conformed. Don't, don't contort yourself to try to fit in to the systems of this world, to feel comfortable, to fit in, to play it safe. It's like, you're from somewhere else. You're called to represent something else. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which comes from, just like what it says about Abraham, even when there's what seems to be evidence, it's not denial, it's like choosing to lean on and connect to the promises of God. That's what Kat's teaching the kids in, that, in the big kids' room today, which I think is really cool, the promises of God. But it's like choosing like, no, 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 like this is my inheritance, man. Melchizedek brought the bread and the wine. Like that was the first foreshadowing of communion. Like the bread and the wine, the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ that reverses everything from the fall and sets me into my father's true lineage. Like that's my inheritance. And I'm staying with that. 
And that's what communion, even as a body, was always meant to be. Like, hey, by the way, let's get together and take communion, and we're all on the same page. We accept nothing less than the bread and the wine. We accept nothing less than everything Jesus paid for us to walk in. But what if it manifests? If it manifests, we still don't accept it. It doesn't mean we're in denial. That means we, pers- we persevere through trial and we lock into something that's eternal. Because when that thing springs, it will be a light to all those around us. And a rock within your heart. A rock within your heart kind of sounds bad. Uh, I, I meant to say like, uh, like a rock of remembrance is what I was thinking. You know how like they used to have those. It'll be a rock inside of your spirit. Like that's an eternal rock, a stone, a gem from God that I've, I've experienced and I, no one will ever be able to take it from me because I've seen it work. I've seen it happen. A people of testimonies, just like Abraham. All his testimonies. He's sitting here. This is what it's like to walk with him. Enoch asking his grandfather, so what was it like? Everyone else is like, dang, you really messed up, Adam. You know what I mean? Enoch's like, yeah, you did, but, but so what was he like when he, how did he treat the animals? Was he nice to them? Was he, you know, you know he's like, well, but like, did he like, so what did he look like? You know, he's, he's geeked out, like connecting to the source, and he got past that poisonous, okay. Um, Romans 12, 2, I said I was going to close with that, right? Not be conformed. I love the Passions trans, translation of this. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture that's around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And that will empower you. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Sounds just like Abraham. Like, hey, come out of your culture. You're not Mesopotamian. You know what I mean? It's like, this is outside. You were in me before. David, David understood this, didn't he? Psalm 133. I was in you. You knitted me together. Like, oh, you know, you know me. You're the ancient one. There's an ancient path for me. There's an ancient path for all of us. That's my, that's my close. Sometimes we, we do a question at the end for a lesson or something like that. My question that I wrote, let me see if it's even, um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, well, the question is, what do we have to pass on? What do we want to pass on to our kids, to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, to our friends and our families? Just like Abraham, he didn't give me any uh, special things to memorize, but my grandfather told me what it was like to walk with him. He told me what it was like to follow him even when it looked really ridiculous. He told me about, he told me about his sense of humor and how he was calling out my grandma in the tent one time when she was laughing and he didn't let it slide. No, you did. You laughed. It's fine. You laughed. It's like, yeah, but what was he like? Well, how did he talk to you? Was he nice to you? Oh, he was, he was nice. Joy and peace. Peace was around him. It felt like peace around him. He was kind. Yeah, one time he said the, something along the lines of like, you know, disciples are getting, getting mad about kids and all this stuff and Pharisees were being jerks and he's just like, hey, Come to me, everybody. I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. You're like, really? But I thought he has fire in his eyes. It's like, yeah, he does, but he's, but he's gentle and he's, and he's humble, lowly in heart. He's actually kind. You can go to him with anything, even if you feel you're in trouble. Really? Oh, yeah. He will give rest to your soul if you go to him. But I'm in turmoil. I'm in this. I'm in that. It's like, 
this is probably one of the things as a pastor I've gotten kicked back over the past 10, 15 years more than anything for people that they really, really want me to meet their needs. And I'm just like, yo, I'm your brother, man. I'm, I'm one of you, but I'll tell you what, have, have you sought the Lord about it? Have you connected to him about it and have you prayed? Have, has he given you anything? Oh, I, I've had people tell me, I knew you were going to tell me that. I'm like, dude, do you want me to just be your source? There's a lot of people that do this job. They, they, they love that feeling. Like, I, I love to, you can nurse off of me if you want. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it's just like, no, but no, like that. But that's my message is that I don't have anything. I just know him. And I, and I relate to him and I connect to him. And that's what grows me. And, but but you're, you're just like me. We tie our shoes the same way. And he's there for you. I promise. Have you sought him? Yeah, but he's not telling me about this and this. I was like, yeah, but what, what, what is he telling you about? Has he given you a path of service? Have you seen the city that has foundations, the building of God? Have you been faithful with his building? Do you see what it looks like? Do you have a vision for it? Do you put your hand to it? I'm not asking that. I'm asking him to fix this. I was like, no, no, no. I'm asking you, have you put your hand to build what he is building and seek his kingdom first and what he's doing in the earth? It's the ecclesia, by the way. It is. There's no getting around it. Oh, let's pastor say that. No, no, I know it's the Bible, though. You know what I mean? It's just what it is. It's like, have you functioned there? Is there a piece missing there that you have? Maybe you exercise that function, and maybe these issues that you think you have, you don't have, or maybe they resolve, or maybe he gives you the answer to that. It's always been that way, y'all. Faithfulness opens doors. Seek first the kingdom. Grandfather Abraham's telling us that. It's like, hey, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture. It's like, hey, don't fall into thinking like them. Don't fall into trying to succeed in their way. Seek first the kingdom. He adds everything to you. Be inwardly transformed like it's an opportunity. It's like, wow, like he's telling all these things and it seems mean to all these people that he meets, these impossible things. And it's like, why? It's like, because he was attacking the carnality that poisoned their mind and he was bringing them out of their tent. And he's like, come out of your little tent, your little world and look at the expanse of mine and understand this thing is beyond the earth. It is uh, beyond time and space and it's bigger than you could ever imagine. And this life is a breath. It is short, but there's something even more after this. What story will we pass on to our family, to our children? What will our legacy be? Will it be head knowledge? Will it be memorizing things? Will it be rules? The tree of knowledge, do this and do that. Will it be fear? Do this or else God will be mad. He will attack you. Or will we have the legacy of a beautiful relationship to God and walking with Him in the Spirit and in faith? And it's less about what we say, but more about how we live our life. You know? I think that's what we want. I think that's what we're called to step into as the, as the household of faith. Not just the Hoff, you know what I mean? But yeah, a household, a family of faith. So this is our legacy. It's a legacy of faith. Of a kingdom that is called to invade this world through, through each and every one of us. It's a takeover. Not an assimilation. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word, which is true. And I thank you for the reality of your kingdom. And I thank you even, Holy Spirit, for highlighting everything the way we think. I, 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 thank, I thank you that you don't leave any stone un, unturned. And that even if there's aspects or ways that we jump out of faith or we get into fear and we, you know, we, we lose sight of who we're called to trust in, 
your gentle voice comes and helps direct us back like, hey, trust in me. I thank you for the counsel of Mary, you know, telling the servants in John 2 about the wine, just do whatever he says. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thank you that same counsel for us, like just do whatever he says, follow him. That you're a good shepherd and that your spirit has come to lead us into all truth. And Jesus, even like our father Abraham, our grandfather, like, you know, he was stepping into the lineage of our true father, of Yahweh, and um, growing in faith. And that we're not disqualified. We have an opportunity to step and grow into this faith. I thank you for taking the limits off of us all and letting us look up into the stars and under, understand the whole thing's bigger than we've ever, ever thought before. And for the cloud of witnesses and the angels and everybody that's gone before us and that is with us now, you know what I'm saying, as the Bible says, that, you know, that there's so much destiny and purpose on every single person in this house and that listens to this. And I ask that we would tap into that unlimited potential that you have for all of us and have the courage to leave the culture of this world behind and really step into our true inheritance. Thank you.